All right, if you got your Bible, meet me in the book of Acts, chapter 2, and all the Pentecostals said? I know not everybody's Pentecostal. You probably didn't get that joke, but when you say Acts, chapter 2, there's a lot going on there, so don't worry if you didn't get it. It's okay. We'll explain a little bit more in just a second. But today is the first Sunday of 2024. We're really excited to get into this new year as a church family. We're going to read from Scripture here in just a moment. And I'm just so excited to share with you some of what God has in store for us in the year ahead. We'll reveal a few things to you here in just a moment. But, you know, every Sunday and every, you know, first Sunday of the year, Sundays throughout January every year, I think most pastors and most churches have something in common. Leading up to this month, we will seek God. We will ask God, Lord, where do you want us to go in the new year that's in front of us? What direction do you want us to go? And while different pastors, different churches might have different paths or directions or pursuits in a new year, I think that most churches have one thing in common. That is that we all spiritually want to be on the same page pursuing together what God has called us to do in the year that's ahead. We want spiritually to come together with one heart, with one mind, with one spirit and pursue the direction that God is calling us to go in the year ahead. And I'm reminded this morning of 2023, last year. I hope it was a great year for you. Maybe it was a tough year. Maybe it wasn't even very good at all for you. I don't know what it looked like. But I look back and I can testify that God was faithful to me and to our church throughout 2023. Last year in January, we got into a series called First Things First. How many remember that series last year? We talked about putting God first in every area of our lives. And I remember, I don't know which Sunday it was, but on one of those Sundays in January in 2023, I stood up here and I just kind of blurted this out without really telling anybody first. I said, I feel like the word that the Lord has put in my heart for the year that's in front of us is the word closer. This was a year ago. I said, I feel like the word is closer, that we this year would draw closer to God, closer to his purposes, and closer to his people or to each other. And I look back and I try to measure what God did in 2023, and we can't measure all of it through data and statistics, but one praise report I can give you, we've shared this with you guys already, as we grew closer together last year, one of the areas where that really showed up was what God did through our connect groups. It was unbelievable what God did in our church last year through connect groups. By the time we got to the end of the year last year, we had 53 different connect groups in our church with right around 1,000 people actively participating in connect groups. Can somebody say amen this morning to the glory of God? What he's doing in our church, and I invite everybody to actively participate in our connect groups. We'll be launching into those, and hey, again, if you're interested in leading a group, man, we would love to meet you. We invite you to apply for that. We would love to talk to you about leading a connect group. But here's the point. Last year, God did something amazing. We could have tried to program it. We could have tried to come up with systems and structures and strategies to make something amazing happen. But the truth is, what God did last year was something that only God could have done. It was bigger and better than any of our systems or strategies or our programs. To the glory of God, we grew closer last year as a church. But what about this year? What about 2024? What is the Lord speaking to us for the year that's in front of us? So, of course, we go back to his word, we pray, we ask God, Lord, what direction are you wanting us to go? And that's what I want to share with you this morning from Acts chapter 2. Now, before we read this, I made a joke a little bit ago about Pentecostals and Acts 2. For those of you who grew up in church the way that I did, we get excited about this passage of Scripture because Acts 2 is the place where the Holy Spirit descends upon the believers. Now, 
Here's the background real quick. Jesus has already ascended to, to the Father. He's died. He's risen again. He's ascended to the right hand of the Father. Jesus literally lifts up from the earth and propels into the sky. And the disciples stand there amazed watching this happen. But before he did that, Jesus gave the disciples some very specific instructions about their ministry and about their calling. But not only that, he said, as soon as I go, do not leave Jerusalem until you receive the promise from the Father, which of course is the Holy Spirit. And later on, on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, that's what we see. The Holy Spirit descends upon the believers there in the upper room. It spills out into the street. All of these people see this amazing supernatural thing that's happened. And then Peter stands up and he gives a sermon to all those who are witnessing around. And he gives them the opportunity to believe in Jesus. And that's where I want to pick up the story in Acts chapter 2. Look at verse 40. It says in verse 40, and with many other words, Peter testified and he exhorted these people saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. That's important. We'll come back to that later. They were baptized and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. But this is where I want to focus. Look at verse 42. It says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. I want to read those words to you one more time. It says, and they continued steadfastly. Now, I'm reading from the New King James translation. That's what usually Pastor Gary and myself will preach from on a Sunday morning. But let me read that verse to you from the NIV. If you read the NIV or the ESV, this is the way that it reads. Watch these words. Again, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. These are the most important three words that I want to focus on today. They devoted themselves. You see, Acts 2 doesn't just tell the story of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It tells the story of the birth of the church of Jesus Christ. The same that you and I are a part of here today, 2,000 years later. So let me ask you guys a question this morning. Have you ever stopped and asked this question? How did the church get from there to here, from then to now? I believe that the answer is found in those three incredibly important words. They devoted themselves. Now I want to talk to you about being devoted and about devotion this morning, but I want to tell you kind of a little historic story that I've outlined that I want to share with you this morning, if you'll give me a few moments. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 6 to 10, we see the story of the second day of creation. God the creator separates the waters above from the waters beneath, then gathering the waters below into one place, thus rendering dry land, seas, and skies. One result of God's second day creation was a phenomenon that lit up the sky without explanation, a spectacle so great that generations of people gazed into the heavens wondering where it came from and wondered where it was going. This naturally occurring event, of course, is the collision of electrostatic charges that we know as lightning. For centuries, scientists studied the skies attempting to gain knowledge of the how, why, and where of lightning. And while many contributed research that added to humanity's understanding of it, 
It wasn't until 1752 that an American named Benjamin Franklin flew a kite with an attached metal wire in hopes that his hypothesis would be proven correct, that in the right weather and conditions, the wire would come into contact with the lightning and, 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 uh, excuse me, and conduct this thing that we know today as electricity. You see, Benjamin Franklin did not invent electricity. He was simply the beneficiary of a God who devoted himself so greatly to his creation that he gave humanity a world full of wonders to discover for their benefit. It's widely believed that Franklin is likely didn't actually discover electricity, but rather was the beneficiary of other scientists who devoted themselves to their study and propelled him into his discovery. Now fast forward to the 19th century when three inventors began devoting themselves to projects that would illuminate a dark enclosed space with this recently harnessed electricity. This devotion brought forth a creation called the electric arc lamp. And while this invention would be improved upon over the next 70 years, it wasn't until 1879 when a 32-year-old Thomas Edison perfected these inventions with his patented creation known as the electric light bulb, an invention which would be patented, distributed, and change the way people live forever. You see, Edison didn't invent electricity, nor did he invent the electric light. He was simply the beneficiary of the devotion of his predecessors, inspiring him also to devote himself to advancing their work. When he made this contribution that enhanced the quality of life for all of humanity. And while most are familiar with the name Thomas Edison, you're probably unfamiliar with the name Robert Anderson. Anderson, a Scottish inventor, made an enormous contribution in the 1830s, some 40 years, listen to this, some 40 years before Edison patented the light bulb. It was Anderson who devoted himself to building an efficient improvement upon a late 1700s invention that we know as the automobile. What you may be surprised to learn is that Anderson's 1830s project was the electric passenger automobile, an invention that he created nearly 50 years before Carl Benz would give us the gas-powered or combustion engine automobile. You see, Robert Anderson didn't invent electricity, and he didn't discover electricity. He did not invent the light bulb, nor did he invent the automobile. He was simply the beneficiary of others' devotion, inspiring him too to devote himself and continue to improve upon what had been given to him. And by the time we arrive at the 20th and 21st centuries, many of the names of these scientists are easily forgotten to history. These men who devoted themselves to continuing to create and enhance what had been given to them. Well, as inhabitants of the 21st century here today, we tend to think that Henry Ford invented the automobile and that Elon Musk electrified it. But of course, neither of those statements are true. Both Ford and Musk were the beneficiaries, listen, they were the beneficiaries of a God who devoted himself to his creation, of Ben Franklin who devoted himself to discovery, of Robert Anderson who devoted himself to improvement, and Thomas Edison who devoted himself to perfection and distribution. You see, all of us are the beneficiaries of someone else's devotion, and sometimes for better or for worse, depending upon what others were devoted to. 
Conversely, when we recognize that others will reap the positive or negative fruits of our own personal commitments, it forces us to stop and consider who or what am I devoted to and what will others receive as a result of my devotion. Like many inventors whose names have been lost to history, so too might our names be forgotten in generations to come. But as followers of Jesus Christ, the question we must ask ourselves is simply this. Do we want our children's children's children to know well the name of their dearly departed ancestors? Or do we want our children's children's children to know well the name of the one true living God? If the answer is the latter, then we the former must choose now to vote to devote ourselves to the same things that the early church devoted themselves to 2,000 years ago, to the word of God, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread together, and to prayer. And I give you that very long monologue today about devotion to that to tell you that our theme for 2024 is devoted. That's our word for the year, Bridge family. I believe that God is calling us as a church to go deeper with him. Can I say that again? I believe that God is calling us as a church to go deeper with him, to go deeper into his purposes, to go deeper into our relationships. Let me add this too, to go deeper into his presence. I'm hungry for us as a church to go deeper into the presence of God in the year ahead. And also, as I said, to go deeper into our relationships with one another. And the way that we do that is by following the examples of the early church and devoting ourselves to Christ and to others. I want to ask all of you just to take a moment and think about this question in your own personal life. How much have I benefited from someone else's devotion? How much have I benefited from someone else's devotion? Let's just talk about this on a faith level for just a minute here. You know, for me, I'm a third-generation pastor. And I didn't become a pastor because it's the family business. We like to say this all the time. We don't believe that church is a family business. It's God's church. It belongs to him. But upon recognizing that I knew God was calling me to be in pastoral ministry, man, it was a huge blessing to know that there were two generations behind me that had already set a course and set a pace for how to do this well. I was the beneficiary of someone else's devotion. And if you come from a Christian home, chances are you know God because someone or a few someones devoted themselves to knowing God and setting an example for you to follow. Maybe you didn't come from a Christian home, yet today you know God because someone devoted themselves so greatly to Christ that their walk influenced you and brought you into saving faith in Jesus Christ. You're the beneficiary of someone else's devotion, even if you didn't grow up in a Christian home. Or perhaps it was the influence of the collective church that faithfully gathered week after week and gave of themselves. And when someone invited you to a church gathering, you found that there was a group of people so devoted to Christ that they had given of themselves and had created a church facility. They created a hospitable worship environment. And when you encountered Christ personally, they were there to serve you and help you onto a path of discipleship following Jesus for yourself. You were the beneficiary of others' devotion. 
You see, we are all the beneficiaries of someone else's devotion in one way or another. I just want to talk about that word devotion or devoted for just a moment. The American Heritage Dictionary defines the word devotion as ardent, selfless affection and dedication to a person. This is beautiful. To a person or a principle. And I think that this is such a perfect definition of that word devotion. And I'll tell you why. Because as Christians, we should be dedicated to a person, the person of Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen to that? And we should also be dedicated to a principle, his word, his teachings, having authority in our lives. That is what devotion looks like in the life of a believer. I'm dedicated to Christ. I'm dedicated to walking in his principles that will be the standard and the authority in my life so that I have influence on the world around me and I know God for myself. That's what devotion in the Christian sense is all about. But I want to emphasize one word from that definition. The word selfless shows up in that definition of devotion. And I think that's perfect. Because God does not want our devotion to him to be selfish. He wants it to be selfless. There's a big, big difference. See, sometimes when we think about the word devotion in a Christian sense, we have a way of personalizing it and making our faith only about us and God, leaving out a very important third party. Everyone else around us whom God is calling our devotion to have an influence on. Think about the people in your world that God is calling you to have an influence on. Can I tell you, it's going to be a direct result of your devotion to him and your choice to be devoted. I asked a moment ago, have you and I benefited from anybody's devotion themselves? But let's just take that question and flip it around. Who in my life could stand to benefit from my devotion. I've been the beneficiary of so many other people's devotion, but who in my life, who in my world, immediately and further out, who could benefit from my choice to be devoted to Christ? Can I just give you a few examples real quick? And these are kind of obvious, but let's think about them for a moment in depth. My spouse. I mean, I know some of you are sitting there like, oh, I was hoping he's going to preach about marriage today because my spouse is here, and he or she needs to know about that. But listen, my devotion to Christ can change me so much that it influences my spouse and together we grow and we have a healthy, godly marriage. But guess what? That isn't really dependent upon your spouse choosing to change. That's dependent upon you and I choosing to be devoted ourselves and having an influence on the person that we're married to. It's my choice. Why am I waiting on somebody else to change? It's my choice to be devoted and let God bring about the change in and through my life. What about this? What about your future spouse? Because I know if I just say spouse, some of the single people are like, oh yeah, I just skipped right over me right there. Well, guess what? What if God is holding that person in his hand right now? He's protecting, he's waiting, he's guarding, and the thing that God is waiting for is for you to be devoted to him so that he can release that person into your life and together they can be everything or you can be everything you're called to be. What if that person and what if God is waiting on you to make the choice to be devoted? Why not start now? Don't wait for them to come to you. Be the person God created and called you to be. And watch how that person magically walks into your life. (laughs) Who else can benefit from my choice to be devoted? Parents, let's talk. What about our kids? What about our kids? 
I don't like have this in my notes. This just popped up in my heart. But isn't it amazing how many other things we look to as parents to raise our kids, to teach our kids, to show our kids, to help our kids, when God's like, no, why don't you do that first and I'll bring the right stuff around you? Why don't you make the choice to be devoted first and I'll put all the right things around your kids. I'll watch out for them. I'll protect them. But it's up to us parents to first choose to be devoted to God so that we have a healthy, godly influence on our kids and on our families. What about our grandkids? Grandparents, where are you at today? You're not the ones that are going to be like, yeah, but grandparents. Because I know we hear the prayer requests. Pray for my grandkids. Pray for my great-grandkids. They're not walking with God. We know people make their own choices. They take their own paths. Sometimes when people choose their own paths, it can lead them away from God. But can I tell you something? Parents, we're not just talking you know, about grandparents looking to their grandkids. One day we as parents will be grandparents too. So we're not just talking about our parents' grandkids. We're talking about the grandkids that we will one day have as well. What if healthy grandkids, healthy kids is all going to be a result of my choice right now today on January the 7th, 2024 to be devoted to Christ in a way that I haven't been before? What if God is waiting on me to be devoted to him and he's going to suddenly unleash and unlock and release all these blessings into my life over my family and it's all dependent upon me making the choice to be devoted. What about my extended family? This is always fun because you guys have just had Thanksgiving dinner with your extended family. Wasn't that long ago and you walked away thinking, I'm not sure I'm gonna go back next year. There's always the one uncle who brings up the uncomfortable things at the table. There's always those family members that just can't get over the hurts of the past and so therefore we can't enjoy this turkey because all you wanna do is bring up the stuff that happened 25 years ago. It's hard for us to deal sometimes with our extended family because of things that have happened in the past. And what do we do? We sit there just like we do with our spouse and we say, well, when they change, things will get better. What if God is waiting on you to be devoted to him so that he can bring an influence in and through your life that changes your extended family? We just wait on everybody else to change. What if God's like, well, if you'll be devoted, I'm going to bring about a lot of change, but it's going to happen through you because you and I, we already know each other. They don't even know me yet. If you'll devote yourself, I will use you to bring about the change and the healing that you want to see in your extended family. Can I tell you, I think all of us in this room could say, I got extended family that could benefit from my decision to devote myself to Christ. So let's make the choice. Let's make the choice to devote ourselves. What about our friends that don't know Christ? Sometimes we think about the people in our world that don't know Christ, and what we do is we think about the magic words and the magic formula. If I could just say the right thing the right way at the right time in the right setting, it'll be like, man, that'll just be the perfect moment for me to say the perfect thing, and then suddenly maybe through those perfect words, God will do something. Can I tell you something? God does not need you to be perfect to use you to affect the people in your world, your friends. You know what he needs? He needs you and I to be devoted to him. Have you noticed that usually you and I, forget about ourselves for a minute, you and I tend to run to the most stable people in our worlds for help. I mean, seriously, how many of you run to the unstable people in your family when you need help? No, when we need help, when we need encouragement, when we need stability, who do we run to? We run to those who are stable. And our devotion to God creates stability in our lives that other people look at from a distance and from the outside and they see that's stability that I can run to. Scripture says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower the righteous run into and are safe. Can I tell you something? When God is shining in and through your life because of your devotion, your friends will look at you and be like, man, it's like a strong tower that I can run to. It's not you. It's the God that lives inside of you. 
But what if that influence is all waiting on the other side of your decision to be devoted? We could go on and on, but we could talk about our neighbors, our coworkers, people that we regularly interact with. I've noticed, even in my own life, I have such a tendency to close the door, close the garage, go inside, I'm comfortable inside. If we go outside and we start talking to the neighbors, what are they going to bring up? What are we going to get into? What do you do for a living? That's always a fun one. I mean, seriously. And (laughs) you don't have to deal with that one. (laughs) But seriously, like, we get out and we have these conversations with our friends and our coworkers and our neighbors, and sometimes we think that we have to have the perfect words. No, God's like, just be devoted to me. I'll bring about stability and maturity in your life, and watch people come to you for that influence. What if God placed you next to the people you live next door to for a reason? Oh, but Zach, they're of a different religion. (laughs) Maybe God put you next door to them for a reason. So that your devotion to him can have an influence in their lives, people that need to know Christ more than anyone. It's all on the other side of our decision to be devoted to him. You see, our call to personal devotion might be personal, but at some point its influence must go public. Because God wants the people in our life to be the beneficiaries of our devotion. Now I want to read... Acts 2.42 to you one more time, and I want to read from the NIV like we did just a couple of moments ago. Again, it says, they devoted themselves. Now, watch what it says. They devoted themselves to four things. Number one, it says to the apostles' teaching or the apostles' doctrine, depending on what translation you're reading. Okay, so we all will go to the Word of God to be a standard for our life. We're going to talk about the apostles' teaching next week and why the Word of God is so important in our lives. But look at this. Secondly, it says they devoted themselves to fellowship. Can I tell you something, church? You can't have fellowship by yourself. Do you know what that means? That means that while our devotion to God might be private, it certainly has to go public if we ever want to have fellowship the way that the early church devoted themselves to fellowship and to one another. So here's a picture of our devotion not just being about me and God. Now there are other people who are a part of this picture. God wants to bring other people into your life. Pastor Gary's going to teach on fellowship in a couple of weeks as well. Goes beyond fellowship. Number three, it says they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. Now that sounds so simple, but it's very, very spiritual. And again, we're going to talk about that this month as well. But can I just tell you something? You can eat by yourself. But right here, it's not talking about that. It's literally saying they went from house to house, family to family, person to person, and they broke bread together. It was an act of fellowship, and there was a spiritual element as well where we can probably bring in the table of the Lord, the Lord's Supper communion, to that as well. But it was not something that they did by themselves. Now, side note, we should just take a quick sidebar here real quick and say this. It might be good for some of us who have a New Year's resolution to shed a few pounds if we stopped breaking bread by ourselves. And we started breaking bread with others. Maybe we shouldn't break bread. We should break something else with less carbs. Maybe that's your goal right now. But the point is this. Maybe that accountability you need is found in breaking bread with others, not just by yourself. Sidebar, bad joke, sorry. But again, it's an act of devotion. And it's not talking about doing it by yourself. But watch this. This is interesting. I'm reading from the NIV, but if you go back to the original writings, it says, number four, that they also devoted themselves to Prayers. Notice the S at the end. Prayers. 
Because a lot of us think of our prayer life as it's me and God. I talk to God when I'm by myself. That's a huge part of our prayer life, no doubt about it. If you've got a prayer closet, you spend time with God. It's private time that you talk to God by yourself. That's awesome. But right here we see the word being plural. And you look throughout the New Testament and you see all kinds of other prayers that are given. And guess what? It's not always just me talking to God by myself. It's us praying together for the things that we are believing for. They devoted themselves to prayers. And it wasn't just by themselves. It was collectively together as a church family. You see, three of these four things that the early church devoted themselves to were not just personal or private things. They were, in fact, very interpersonal, requiring other people. This means that the early church was not only devoted to God, but they were devoted to each other. And I believe that God is calling us in 2024 to not only be devoted to him, but to also be devoted to each other and be the kind of church and people whose devotion greatly influences those around us. I'm almost done this morning. I have a relatively short message, but I want to ask you this morning, Bridge family, are you willing to be devoted to God this year in a way that you haven't been before? Are you willing to go deeper into his word? Are we willing to go deeper into fellowship? Are we willing to go deeper into the relationships that God has placed around us? And are we willing to go deeper in prayer to see God grow us, mature us, so that we have influence to the people that he's placed around us? In conclusion this morning, earlier in the message, I've mentioned this a couple times, we talked about our children's children's children. Here's something, can, something to consider. What would you be willing to do today to make sure that your kids and your grandkids know Jesus tomorrow? What would you be willing to do today? What changes would I be willing to make? What steps would I be willing to take that I've never taken before? What battle would I finally step up and be willing to fight to see to it that as I overcame, I had an influence and I grew because of this devotion and it made a difference in my family for generations to come? What would I be willing to do? See, I believe that the answer to that question is found in the very same three words that we see in Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves. Let it be said about us by future generations The same thing that is said about the early church believers. Today we know God because in days gone by, they devoted themselves. I want to ask you another question this morning because it brings us to a big question. Many of you have been walking with God for a long time and you found your rhythm with God. You know what it's like to have a relationship with him. You know what it's like to interact with the people that he's placed around you. You have a prayer life and that's fantastic. Can I tell you this morning that even if you've been walking with God for decades, God still has more for you. God still has more that he wants to do in you, and God still has more that he wants to do through you. And just because you made a decision a long time ago to be devoted to God and you've held on to that decision does not mean there's not still greater devotion to be had today and tomorrow. But all of this brings us to a question. Okay, Zach, I see the things that the early church devoted themselves to, but where do I begin How do I even begin this devotion? These aren't three points, but I just want to very quickly give you three steps to start your devotion right now, today, at the beginning of 2024. First one, if you want to write these down or just make mental notes, they're very simple. 
The first one is simply this. I'm going to say this to every single person in the house. A life of devotion to God starts with salvation. It starts with repentance. It starts with recognizing that I've been living life my own way. And a recognition that Jesus came to this earth to show me a better way to live. And then he himself laid down his life, was raised from the dead so that I could have a new and better life. And that's what salvation is. Repenting, stepping into a relationship with God, and devoting myself to him. It all starts with salvation. Can I say today that if you're in the room right now and you know in your heart that you're not in a relationship with God, if you know in your heart that you've been walking far from God, do not let one more day go by without making your peace with God because by the time we end this service, we're gonna give everybody in the house an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Don't step into the new year without stepping into this relationship with Jesus, the one who gave everything so that he could have a relationship with you. It all starts with salvation. But secondly, this is very, very important. Second step into jumping into a life of devotion to Christ is baptism. We see in two different places in Acts chapter 2, we only read one of them, and it was actually in verse 40 of Acts 2. Scripture says that all these people see these supernatural signs happening on the day of Pentecost. And Peter starts to preach to them. And when he gives them this message about Jesus, the scripture says that people stand up and they look back at Peter and they say, what then shall we do? Notice what Peter says. He says, repent. It's a picture of salvation. And then he says, and be baptized for the remission of sins. Over the last two years, we have seen scores of people get baptized here at the Bridge Church. But I want to say it right now at the beginning of 2024. Getting water baptized was not a suggestion in Scripture. It's a command given to us. And if it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. My friends, if you've never been baptized in water, I want to tell you there's something that God wants to do in your life that you have not yet experienced. And perhaps water baptism is going to unlock the next step for you in your walk and your journey of faith with God. We have baptisms happening in February. You can go online now and register to get baptized. Can I say it to you one more time? Be baptized. Follow Christ in water baptism. He wants to do something amazing in and through your life in water baptism. But then three, and this is what we're going to jump into next week. If you want to start this life of devotion, if you want to choose to be devoted to God in the year ahead, dive into God's word. Dive into God's word. Last week... We told all of you about our Bible reading plan that we're jumping into this year. You know what's interesting about it is our Bible reading plan for the year ahead, it's available on the Bridge app, it's available on our website. You can download a PDF, print it out, put it in your Bible like my wife does because she likes to use her physical Bible. She likes to circle off the days and the weeks of her reading. You can look at it digitally right there on the Bridge app or on our website. But here's the point. You know, you look at that reading and it's so incredibly simple. I mean, the way it's laid out is so simple that anybody can do it. And Pastor Gary said some very profound things last week when he talked about jumping into the deeper side of the pool. And I think sometimes what we do as Christians is we think, well, if I want to go deeper with God, as Pastor Gary said, well, that means I've got to read three to four to five to six chapters of Scripture a day. Can I tell you something? God can go deep with you in one chapter. He doesn't need for you to try to read five. You don't have to impress God with your spirituality. He can do just as much in one chapter as he can do in five. All you have to do is take a very simple step. God, I'm going to be devoted to you and to your word, and I'm going to dive right in. It says in Acts 2.42 that they devoted themselves first to the apostles' teaching. This year we're jumping into a New Testament reading plan. doesn't mean we don't believe in the validity of the Old Testament. We absolutely do. You can read that too. 
But our reading plan includes the New Testament because we're going to jump into the teachings and words of Jesus and those who followed him most closely. We're going to devote ourselves to the teachings of Christ and the teachings of the apostles this year. Because when we dive into God's word, God's word is the only book that reads us while we read it. When we go deeper with God, he will grow us, he will mature us, and he will make us into the people that he's calling us to be. So I want to ask you again, church family, would you be willing to devote yourself this year to see God do new things in and through your life? Would you be willing to devote yourself this year to see God do new things in and through your family, in the lives of the people around you, in your workplace, in your neighbors, in your extended family, in all the places and circles that God has placed you? Would you be willing to devote yourself to see God do something new and something deeper in your life? I don't know about you, but I'm in. I'm in. Let's go. Let's jump into everything that God has for us in the year ahead, and let's be devoted in Jesus' name. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Father, this morning we've talked about being devoted just as the early church believers were devoted to you. We just take this moment to recognize that, God, you have built your church, the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus, you said that you were going to build it, but we recognize that people played a part in what we receive today. We are all the beneficiaries of somebody else's devotion. God, we thank you for people that were willing to lay their lives down so that we could have what we have today. We thank you for other people who took their place and chose to be devoted to you. But the question is, will we devote ourselves in the same manner? Father, today, for every single person in the house who's making that decision that this year I'm going to devote myself, I'm going to go deeper than I ever have before, I pray, Father, that you would remind us of this commitment we're making today and that as we devote ourselves to you, you would grow us and make us into the people you're calling us to be in Jesus' name, that it would change our kids, that it would change our grandkids, that it would change generations of our family to come, and that it would change those around us in the world in which you've placed us. Today we choose to devote ourselves to you in Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed, we said a second ago that the first way we devote ourselves to God is through repentance and salvation. We use that word devoted and you say, wow, it sounds like I might have to give up a lot. Can I tell you something this morning? Jesus gave up everything so that you could come back in relationship with Father God. Scripture tells us that Jesus, the Son of God, the one who was sinless and spotless, sent by God to this earth, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life. He died upon the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, for the remission of our sins. God raised him from the dead, conquering death, hell, and the grave so that you and I would not have to face it. He did the hard part. It's up to us to choose to follow him and believe in what he's done for us. I'm gonna pray a prayer here in just a moment. Maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus or maybe you have at some point in your life, but you know today that you're far from God. I believe with all of my heart that salvation is in the house today and that God wants to meet you right where you're at. He's just waiting on you to devote yourself to him. I'm going to pray these words, and I'm going to ask everybody in the house actually to repeat them after me. Today, we're going to devote ourselves and commit ourselves to Christ for all that he has for us. Would you repeat these words after me and say, Jesus, today I choose to follow you. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe your death was full payment for my sin. And I believe that you were raised from the dead, conquering death so that I could have new life. Today I choose that life. I choose to walk with you. I choose to learn your ways. And I choose to devote myself in this life 
until I see you in eternity. Thank you for receiving me into your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Now listen, we're almost done, so everybody hang tight. This is very, very important. If you made a decision today to come into that relationship for the very first time, or maybe you recommitted your life to Christ today, we want to help you start your journey of faith. We have a little tool, a simple gift that we want to put in your hand. It's a book called The Next Seven Days. There's two ways you can get it. Right after service, we'll have prayer teams. These prayer teams are here to pray with anybody over any need. You need someone to stand in faith with you. Come see one of our prayer teams. But you can come up to one of our prayer teams. Let them know I made a decision to follow Jesus or come back to Jesus today. They'll give you that book. We don't need anything from you, but we are here to help in any way that we can. If you need to go quick at the end of service, just stop by the info center. Right there, we have a team that's at the info center. Let them know you want to get the book. They'll give it to you. We don't need anything from you. We just want to help you start your journey of faith because we are so glad that you made that decision. Bridge family, can we put our hands together and welcome some people into God's family? at the beginning of the year. Hey, God bless you. We love you guys. I hope 2024 is your best year yet. Have an amazing week. We will see you in the house next Sunday. God bless you.